It's the Bumblecast. I'm your host, Ian Flynn, the Bumble King, and joining me as always is my Bumble co-host, Kyle, JCRB Krause. Oh, we're back. We have many, many questions. We got tons and tons of answers. Maybe. I don't know, actually. We may look at all these questions and be like, I don't know. But we're here anyway. Only one way to find out. Yep. I mean, why not? Let's get started, I suppose. These questions from our good friends over at patreon.com slash bumblecast, kofi.com slash bumblecast, and our YouTube members. To start us off, here's one from Malene. An aspect of Sonic's character that I've seen a lot of people say appeals to them is that he'll always try to do what he thinks is right regardless of if it's considered conventionally good. This is probably most famously displayed in Black Knight, where he says that he doesn't mind being the bad guy in order to do what he thinks is best. My question is, how would you go about writing a story with Sonic as the main antagonist slash probably well-intentioned villain? No misunderstandings or miscommunication, no mind control, and no protagonist that is blatantly worse or misguided, like Merlina or Shadow in the Dark Roots of 05, etc. Just him and some other heroes fundamentally disagreeing on how to handle a situation and coming into conflict because of it. Would Sonic be okay with fighting his friends for his own beliefs? I I wouldn't, because the it isn't that Sonic will do something villainous because he thinks it's right. He will do what he thinks is right, but he is a heroic individual. In the case of Black Knight, he is doing the virtuous thing. He is saving you know the lives of the storybook world from eternal stagnation, from being cursed to live out the exact same moment, the exact same day forever and ever. The intriguing part of it is Marlena's also not wrong in herself, attempting to stave off impending disaster, you know, predetermined Armageddon for this entire little world. You know, she is trying to preserve lives, but Sonic in his own way is trying to preserve them as well, because what is life if you cannot live it? And so he's not really the villain there. It's just you have two very different approaches to the same moral issue. So that's a really difficult thing to craft. Mm -hmm. And that's not something I can come up with off the top of my head. So if I even wanted to approach that, it would take a lot of time and consideration and mapping it out to make sure that Sonic isn't doing something that is overtly villainous. You know, because as you qualified, no mind control, no this, there, the other, he would, you want, the, the question is how would Sonic be a villain? And he's not going to be. And the other, only other option would be for everyone else to be mistaken. And then that runs a real danger of becoming an idiot plot. Mm-hmm. Um, closest thing I can think of, I think we've addressed something like this very recently was an episode of Sonic X where Eggman had uh, these, light generating orbs, but they had a super high frequency mind control in them and Sonic was bashing them. And everyone thought that he was cursing them for into eternal darkness and being a jerk towards Eggman when really Sonic was able to see that frequency and knew something was up. But that also kind of fell into the idiot plot thing. Cause he didn't just stop and tell tales or somebody, Hey, there's a frequency in these things. Now, he could have very easily avoided a lot of the conflict he isn't necessarily the type of character to stand around and explain what he's doing. He's going to act first. There's that explanation, but it's still all all the conflict hinged on somebody, not just taking two seconds to make it clear with his trusted friends. Mm -hmm. That doesn't sit right with me. 
if you're going to, so having a story where Sonic is actively in opposition to his friends for some reason is a, is really tricky to sell and keep Sonic virtuous and keep everybody kind of in the right without it being a, Oh, why didn't he just explain himself? (laughs) I feel like that's a very big pitfall. That's nigh impossible to avoid. So my solution would be not to even attempt it myself. There are plenty of other Sonic stories to tell. Yeah. The, 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 the thing about Sonic is, is that it doesn't normally sit in gray areas. Like generally good is good and evil is evil. Like, no, there's not much nuance there. Usually Black Knight is kind of a rarity in that instance. It's like a outlier Mm. and Shadow's just weird. Let's not talk about him. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's really usually pretty cut and dry. So it would be difficult to uh, (laughs) to get this uh, to do like a sonic civil war. (laughs) It's like, all right. Oh, that was badly done, too like all right well let's not do that let's not i'm not i'm not saying it's not possible black knight proves that you can do it but mm-hmm. i feel like it's not something that sonic readily lends itself towards right it's not something that i would immediately want to tackle myself mm-hmm. all right here's a question from Morlis. i've been thinking about free reboot archie sonic and one of the characters i miss the most is mina mongoose and i hope there comes a day that the characters like mina can come back so let's have a little bit of fun. Obviously, if Mina were brought back, she'd be a musical sensation of some description. So my question is thus. Amongst the game and IDW cast, which characters would be huge fans of Mina's music? Which ones would get dragged to concerts by their excited friends? Would Tangle invite Whisper on a totally not date to a Mina Mongoose concert? Tangle would totally be a Mina head, but... <laughs> She would also not drag Whisper into the extremely loud, crowded space full of flashing lights and screaming people. Yes. Instead, she would drag like, Amy. Maybe. <laughs> you know, it'd be a question of who is dragging who. <laughs> They're dragging each other. Yes. Like, maybe Tangle would get as far as buying tickets and saying, oh, my gosh, I got us tickets to the Mina show. And Whisper's like, in the crowded space full of screaming people and flashing lights. And Tangle's like, yep. You're right. Never mind. I'll give it to Amy. And then Whisper <laughs> meets her halfway and agrees to go if she can just sit in like the nosebleed section at the back of the concert hall where nobody's going to be sitting anyway. Mm-hmm. And then they can talk about the show later. They're all good. <laughs> Aaliyah says she watches through her sniper scope. I'm sure Mina feels very comfortable that way. <laughs> uh, Vector and Charmy, definitely big into it. Uh, SBO, not so much, but they sing it around the office so much that he kind of has to know every song by heart by now. (laughs) Uh, Tails is a fan. Sonic's a fan. Eggman's a fan. He won't admit it until Sage really wants to go to a concert because she's a big fan. And so Eggman takes over the entire concert for an exclusive show for Sage. There you go. There's a plot right there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Surge. What do you think? Surge. (laughs) kind of depends on what type of music Mina's doing because she was kind of generally speaking kind of a poppy and then she went a little more uh she got a bit of an edge after the iron dominion thing so her early stuff maybe not so much but her uh anti-establishment stuff afterwards maybe (laughs) maybe she'd be into that yes the more punk era yeah yes 
Maybe she doesn't tell anybody, though. She keeps it a secret. <laughs> mm. Our, she has all those bootleg CDs because she just likes to steal stuff, okay? Exact, Don't question her. Exactly. Exactly. A rough and tumble into him. <laughs> into, into Mina. <laughs> Which is funnier. <laughs> I, the, if they loved it, if they loved her, <laughs> that would be the funniest. They really like her, but they feel like it could be better. So they storm the stage to do their own impromptu rap in the middle of the song. Uh, Except the thing is, it actually kind of works, and she's such a good performer, she rolls with it, and so it becomes a kind of double act. And yeah, until they finally get escorted off the stage. <laughs> yep. But people are cheering, and so they, they have their win. By force. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, by Whisper, who is Mina's bodyguard. <laughs> uh, what about Lanolin? Lanolin is sick of noise. <laughs> it's it's not her favorite, but there's a couple songs she'll listen to. Okay. <laughs> uh, is that enough? That's enough. All right. Let's move on to this question here from Mixiger17. Sega's giving you the task of giving Sonic an official look update to be used going forward for a while. It has to be more than just something like slightly new shoes, gloves, or slightly longer or shorter quills. But it can't be a super radical change, like suddenly he has different eyes and eye color, a different nose, he's now bluish, purple, or cyan, etc. It could be a mix of little things, though. Like, now he has a few accessories, like bracelets, necklaces, or earrings, to clothing choices, like how he has a jacket, a scarf again, or something downright heretical, like wearing pants. The horror. Something that makes him fit slightly more with the future male hedgehogs, like he finally goes through puberty and grows a bit of chest fluff, or wears eye makeup, or something small, but a bit radical, like now he does have a streak of color in his quills, either dyed or from some weird effect of constant use of the supersonic form over the years. So what would you go with? Kudos to you for basically phrasing a question like a licensor might do. We want you to make something different, but not too different. It needs to be noticeably different, but not really deviate from the original source. <laughs> that, Pretty much. That's authentic. <laughs> uh, uh, to me, and I'm no graphic designer. I'm no character designer. This is just speaking from you know experience of seeing other more talented people do this sort of thing. But I would not change much anything as little as I could get away with, because there's a reason why Sonic's design has endured for as long as it has. Absolutely. That silhouette is iconic. The simplicity is part of the key to that success. And frankly, Shadow and Silver could stand to be redesigned to take some of that down a notch. Like all the incidental little things around their eyes and on their gloves and on their accoutrement. It's just dial it back. I understand that you can do more with a 3d model that you only have to like rig and texture once, but come on. Um, so if anything, maybe push him in the direction of movie Sonic, where it's still that very iconic look, but with a few minor details here and there, uh, you sure you want to give a texture. You sure you want to give modern Sonic blue arms? 
it would be closer in standard with shadow and silver, but that would mean Amy would need pink arms too. Well, I mean, she doesn't have to. Sonic could just. I mean, if we're going to standardize, standardize. Unless you explain that away as it's tan fur, like it is on his Mm -hmm. muscle, you could go that route. Maybe some minor detailing on the gloves, maybe a slight tweakage to the shoes, but don't mess with success. Mm-mm. Like it would, it would really have to come down to just finer details. Cause anything else I feel like just throws off the look. If you're going to go with the bandana look again, like you had in boom, at least make it as bright and prominent as the rest of him. Not this dirty dish rag brown but like red <laughs> like his shoes mm-hmm. like bam red a shocker red but anything else like giving him a scarf that interrupts the silhouette sure you could have like a really cool visual like you're playing journey and you have this thing fluttering around him as he's moving at top speed watch the physics freak out whenever he hits a loop but it still messes with the immediate signature triple spine thing it's yeah I'd say leave him alone. They really... <laughs> they got lightning in a bottle with Sonic's design. I wouldn't mess with it much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, yeah. And yeah. part of that stems from the limitations they had at the time. You know, you can only cram so much into those 16 bits. And they do a lot. Mm-hmm. But for the speed and the simplicity, they had to keep the design pretty you know, stripped down. Same goes for tails. Same goes for knuckles. Amy was the most complex out of all of them. Yeah. Yeah, and then they simplified her for Sonic Adventure 1, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, here's a question from Noni. What would a telekinetic fight between Silver and the overwhelming psychic abilities of Jamiroquai from the Virtual Insanity music video be like? See, this is a common misconception. They actually collaborated for that music video. Silver's <laughs> the one moving all that stuff, and is dancing along to it. They mm-hmm. only They did it in one take. The two were in perfect sync. They're total bros. It was amazing. But yeah, no, there's no animosity there. That that was actually Silver's big break before he got into video games. Exactly. <laughs> also, this made me smile because that's one of my favorite songs slash music videos. I just I cue that up all the time. <laughs> all right. Here is one from normal person. Now I just want to complete the trilogy of generic body swap scenarios. Final Hedgehog Silver swaps with Whisper. How would this comical mishap go? To add more to this, Whisper is only restricted to Silver's telekinesis. So she can't time travel, I mm. guess, huh? Or, or whatever else well, he can I mean, do. Are we gonna say <laughs> are we gonna say that she can teleport, or is that an extension of his telekinetic abilities? I think that's an I think extension it's supposed of supposed to be part of his Yeah. Uh, we won't count chaos control then. I think that's a different discipline. That shadows. Although thing. how terrifying how terrifying is the idea of a sniper assassin that can stop time. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> she's I mean, she's already overpowered enough as it is. You give her silver's powers on top of that and uh <laughs> I mean, she, I hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So Whisper in Silver's body. She can't use her Whispin apparently as Silver. I don't know why not. She, Silver has hands and eyes. It's for, the sa- <laughs> it's for the sake of the scenario. I know. The, the, the TK particles mess with the electronics. Sure, why not? All right. Uh, 
she's going to take a dedicated amount of time to figure out how this works. Like small movements at first, floating, rising, moving, small objects, manipulating them within space, learning the, the limitations and the scope of it. And if they haven't swapped back by the time she's figured it out, she is going to be the most pointed and uh, decisive TK user you can imagine. None of this big, grandiose, giant meteor of junk. No systematic trying to rubber stamp you with semi-trucks. She's going to find something thin and sharp and launch it from a great distance before you even know what's going on. Like, that container is going to move, close around you, and go into the deepest end of that lake and stay there until the job is done. She's going to flit in between various rooftops and teleport into vantage points. You know, you don't even know she's coming. She is going to be absolutely terrifying. <laughs> the only saving grace is that she glows when she's using her power. So maybe, maybe you stand a chance. You don't. <laughs> you don't. You, you really don't. <laughs> Silver, meanwhile, after he gets done geeking out of being the guardian angel of the battlefield, I. Uh, he can't get it to work. And for the longest time, he thinks it's just user issue. Like it should be pretty sure it's got a trigger. You pull the trigger. Why does it not do until he realizes the wisps are actually stopping him? They are not going to let him fire off a single shot until he knows how to use this equipment. So he has to learn how to wear the mask properly. He has to learn how to operate it. He has to listen to their instructions on how this goes. And he has to go through the drills and he has to take his time and then he can use the gun. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and then once he ha once he's got his learner's permit, uh, he's terrifying. Uh, he's not as uh, precise with the application, but he does know how to maximize the effect. Uh-huh. Yeah. He is going to move into position, launch that rocket, follow up with a hammer strike, and you don't even know what happened. You were just having an ice cream. All of a sudden, boom, bang, boom, colorful lights everywhere, and you're gone so basically both of them would be terrifying and possibly more terrifying than if they than before switching bodies i mean the only difference is their volume level <laughs> you know, silver would whisper would say boom headshot silver would go <laughs> gotcha <laughs> yeah yeah that's true Trying to imagine the voice coming out of at a whisper, though. <laughs> Weird. God, silver uh, whisper teleporting into position, about to drop a city block on somebody. It's no use. Uh huh. Someone's looking. <laughs> Someone sees silver and thinks, "Hey, silver, what are you squinting for?" <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Let's just say, if it was up to Whisper, we wouldn't be having a discussion of the Iblis trigger. No. It would be past tense. No. The, yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Here is a question from Professor Scruffy-Matt. The next stop on Dr. Starline's Isekai Tour is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Thanks to the spell that Doctor Strange and Spider-Man messed up, Starline finds himself in the same bar in Mexico as Eddie Brock and Venom. How long does his meeting last before Starline meets his predictably gory end? 
I don't know. Given Eddie's characterization in those movies, he'd be like, what are you, some kind of duck? And actually start up a conversation. Yeah. And and Starline would kind of follow along. He, he's getting up to date on each Marvel Cinematic Universe. And <laughs> then he, he learns about the symbiote. And he's like, so, so you have this parasitic thing that amplifies all your abilities. And all it wants is to eviscerate your enemies. Can I have one? And then he's like, I, I, don't, I don't think you want one. And then Venom is like, sure, here's one. And like spits out a little goober. And now you have symbiote powered Starline. And that's a problem. That is a big problem. <laughs> that is not a small problem. That is a big problem. Like Starline's symbiote's like, I need a brains. And Starline's like, I know where to find some. <laughs> he has no moral compunctions. No maximize mobility the elasticity the use of this morphogenic suit and every now and again they take a pit stop to eat somebody's head yeah sure he's on board delicious <laughs> although venom might take offense to being called a parasite <laughs> but what do you know you, you're a loser you said so yourself <laughs> eddie this one is hurting our feelings <laughs> can we eat his brains I don't know. Do you even eat duck brains? He's not a duck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's uh, he's kind of like a. For for some reason, I see Venom like eventually kind of liking Starline. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> like this version of Venom, the movie version of Venom is like a a weirdly like not monstrous guy he's just kind of like he's just kind of happy to be there i guess it's weird venom in the movies is weird big child yes kind of a man child he's just a big kid very simple yes in his mindset and just wants companionship and brains yeah yeah that's really it he's just kind of (laughs) like i don't know it's weird uh yeah. Oh well. I mean, what happens to him to to get him uh turned into a plush? Does he get in a fight with the Hulk? Oh. <laughs> we we keep we're running into scenarios here where Starline might not have a problem unless he gets a little too distracted with whatever his current mission is, and the symbiote decides, you know what? He has a very big brain, very large, tasty brain. Yum yum. Maybe it's time for a new host. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> All right, but here's how you got me imagining Starline and Venom you know, zipping through the city. Starline, can we have McDonald's? Once we're done murdering this person, and we have the sample I need to get from the lab. <laughs> I want a happy meal. We can get you a happy meal. Do you promise? I promise. Eddie would not get me a happy meal. Well that's why you're with me now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, Adam Clerk, but my other asked for no pickles. Yep, yep. And a car. And a car. <laughs> oh, this is this is good. This is good. <laughs> uh, it's good stuff. All right, let's move on. We got a question here from Sammy. I'm ashamed of you, Ian. All these name drops in Frontiers, and yet you couldn't even add one general reference. Are you even a real Sonic fan? In all seriousness, what do you think the chances are Jim appears in another Sonic game? 
Isn't an advanced reaver is really sweet. And I think a lot of people like myself who grew up with the advanced series would love to see him back in action. Or at least like a side character you can talk to with the story ever as you visit Cream's house or something. Uh, Nephilus and Neo Metal got merch before Jimmerl did. Mm. I think that kind of shows how far the totem, down the totem pole he is. Which is too bad because I freaking love him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, all the name drops in Frontiers was kind of me testing the waters. What can I get away with? And I didn't get any notes. So it's kind of like, darn, I should have gone back and ham-fisted more references in there. Everybody <laughs> loved that, right? Everybody loves it. They especially love it when you make song lyric references. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and all I need to do now is have Sonic in-game fall over in the Family Guy pose, and you know, everyone will get the reference. Uh-huh. Seriously, though. Um, <laughs> with, with Frontiers, I tried to find places where it felt organic enough for Sonic to think of certain characters, and to expressly show that there was a greater world and everything was connected. General, as much as I love the dude, that, that wasn't going to fit any old where. Um, and I do not foresee him showing up in anything really outside of the comics for the foreseeable future. I would be happy to be proven wrong. You know, whatever the next major tentpole game is, you know, if they add in a playable general, shut my mouth. But don't see it happening. Yeah, probably not. Unfortunately. What it should be, though, is his own spinoff game where it's basically Mega Man with Sonic mechanics. You beat up Eggman robots, you steal their core component, you get that new special attack so you can tackle stages in different ways and just have him be a badass little killer robot. <laughs> But uh, that's not my decision to make. All right. Well, this this one uh, is for me, I think. Ah, so it is. So it is. Uh, Scourge Time asks, a supercharged warp ring opens behind Ian and he gets dragged inside. Scourge jumps out of it and enters the Bumblecast. Kyle, what will you do? And what will Scourge say to Kyle and the listeners now that he's Bumble King for one question? <laughs> Well, first I'm getting the spray bottle. (laughs) (laughs) No, stop. (laughs) Hilariously, that works. And then the the broom, and I'm beating him with a broom and spraying him with the spray bottle. Stop! (laughs) Every time he goes off the rails. (laughs) That's what I'm doing. (laughs) Either that or uh, hiding. (laughs) <laughs> i don't know what, what 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 will scourge say to us ian what do you think well i'm stuck in the antiverse i guess trying to get the other bumble cast with a c going with anti-kyle <laughs> i guess silly but all right you're stuck with scourge who's just like kicking his feet up on the desk and he's like you know, so is this like a family-friendly show? And you're like, yeah. And then he drops every possible obscenity in every language that he knows. Yep. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> Luckily, and I can edit. <laughs> even think about censoring any of that out, he's going to break your kneecaps. Well, that's fine. I don't need those. <laughs> and then you bravely soldier on, attempting to get the show to get going. And his answer for every single question is, I don't know, screw you. <laughs> Ah, finally. 
<laughs> what Ian thinks to answer every question with, but now actually voiced out loud. <laughs> uh, Scourge is your anger translator this time. <laughs> no, no, no. That's a joke. For anybody confused, that is a joke. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, he, he's only around for one question, though, so I guess he gets sucked back in, like, very quickly. That he, he gets bored and he goes off to cause mayhem. Yeah, well, I can't stop him, so I guess this is this is our life now. <laughs> Being terrorized by a freaking green hedgehog. Great. Perfect. Just what we all wanted and needed. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Let's move on to the question here from Scurvy Pirate Dog. So one of the reasons that made Fiona turn into a villain was because of her attraction to Scourge. But that makes me a bit curious about the concept of anti-Fiona that you talked about in an earlier Bumblecast. What kind of dynamic do you suppose anti-Fiona would have with Prime Sonic? Would she have an attraction to him, similar to Prime Fiona's attraction to Scourge, or would it be something completely different? I wouldn't... I don't want to rob Fiona of her agency to say Scourge turned her villainous. Scourge gave her the confidence to be who she wanted to be. Mm -hmm. She was a bitter, jaded person. And Scourge was like, so don't play nice. And she's like, yeah, you're right. I ain't going to play nice. So he didn't turn her villainous. He just enabled her to be a jerk. Uh, Auntie Fiona. I don't even remember how we sussed her out previously, but I guess she would be someone who took everything on the chin and still maintained her integrity coming out of it. So, uh, let's see. Just to fully play with the anti aspect of it, maybe she just is not interested in Sonic. His optimism, his heroism, his never say die attitude are a little tiresome. It's like, yeah, it's easy for you to say you move at Mach 1. You can vibrate your molecules through things. I am mortal, and I still have this outlook, so get over yourself. Mm-hmm. Well. So they wouldn't get along, but they wouldn't necessarily be antagonistic to each other, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into this uh, rather lengthy question here from Sonic Padge. A couple times you've been asked about how a Sonic meets Power Rangers crossover would go, and you always default to a crossover with the original Mighty Morphin team, as it's the most iconic iteration. But there are many other Power Ranger teams out there with unique scenarios that Sonic could team up with. My personal favorite is the Power Rangers RPM team. They take place in their own universe, taken over by an evil computer virus named Vengix, and his generals Crunch, Shifter, and the beautifully human-esque Tanaya Seven who constantly attack the Dome City of Corinth, humans' last bastion, humanity's last bastion. The team consists of Red Ranger Scott, the serious leader who wants to impress his dad, Colonel Truman, Blue Ranger Flynn, an idealistic Scotsman mechanic, Yellow Ranger Summer... Oh, there you go! (laughs) I figured... I figured that was coming. Yellow Ranger Summer, former rich girl who's really kind, uh, Green Ranger Ziggy, Gui, Guia ex mafioso, Guia ex mafioso, Fresno Bob now wants him ghosted, Black Ranger Dylan, a brooding bad boy cyborg with amnesia, and Gold and Silver Rangers Gem and Gemma, who are hyperactive twin man children who finish each other's sentences and love explosions. They were raised in a government lab. 
finally is their extremely introverted mentor, Dr. K, who was also raised in the government alphabet soup lab and now handles the Ranger operators. How would you do a crossover with the Sonic cast with this iteration of the Power Rangers? All right. So clearly Flynn has to be the star of the whole thing. I didn't know I have the rest of the cast. <laughs> but maybe I'm just a wee bit biased. I don't know if he talks like also, that. Also, apologies, <laughs> apologies to all of Scotland for that. Uh, I'm part Scott. I can do those jokes. Uh, let's see. Okay, so... I mean, the clear parallel here is Eggman's got to team up with um, Vengex. Let me review the notes here. Vengex. Uh, upgrading Sage. She manages to ping the interdimensional net, gets Vengex's attention, and, you know, Eggman isn't quite sure she he likes her hanging out with this Vengex person. He's going to chaperone. Oh, you're trying to conquer a city. That's right up my alley. Mm-hmm. So there's your villainous <laughs> team up and they are, they nearly make headway. The Rangers barely repel it. Where did this new invasion force and strength come from? Professor K does sciencey things and figures out, okay, Sonic's dimension, send a cry for help, which means we get Sonic, of course. And, uh, 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 uh Let's see. I guess he's kind of the what we could do to keep it super simple is just Sonic and illustrate how he empowers those around him. Mm-hmm. You know, re- re- reassuring Scott that, you know, it's all always great to aspire to impress others. But, you know, learn, be happy with who you are. Prove to yourself that you are the leader that you need to be. Uh reassure scott that you know your idealism isn't foolhardy and you know what tech support is vital and kind of saved sonic's bacon more than once <laughs> and uh you go down the list and you know bring out the the brighter qualities within each individual character maybe uh maybe take a step back from jim and Gemma. they might be a little too explosive for his taste but you know what he likes their enthusiasm <laughs> you know, maybe maybe there's a lesson there too you know it's always fun to go big and loud but you know maybe uh use a little precision maybe he feels weird saying that but you know one solid homing attack to the face can be just as satisfying as busted through a bunch of them with a burst mm-hmm. and somehow that makes perfect sense to the twins <laughs> i'm almost i know that obviously most folks are going to want like a full one-to-one team thing like tails and scott or you mean flynn sorry yeah flint flynn and tails or dylan and shadow delane i'm not sure delane i think it's delane delane and shadow you know those, those clear parallels and have fun playing with that but one of the lessons i kind of learned from worlds unite is when you have two ensemble casts mixing it gets real hard to juggle <laughs> and really make a a meaningful interaction so i think i'll go with that you know eggman is chaperoning sage meeting up with vengex and helping assault the city and sonic does what he does and you know number one helps the forces of good and two betters those around him with his own uplifting self yeah i think in a lot of cases crossovers are better served when they keep in mind that less is more so that makes sense to me. That and, you know, it leaves room for the sequel crossover where 
Power that Power Ranger world invades Sonic's Earth, and now they've got everything established, so you can have more time with the individual larger cast interacting. Mm-hmm. Mm, that works for me. What also works for me is uh, uh, taking a break, maybe. Except we're not. Hold on. What's up? I <laughs> uh, just saying that was a beefy question. So let's take a break. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good to me. We'll be back with more Bumblecast. We're back. Here's a question from Steph Cube. In a recent episode, you said that after Tangle, Sonic is the person Whisper trusts the most. I was wondering, how do you imagine those two teaming up in battle? What kind of combos could they do? How would they communicate in battle? I feel there's a lot of potential there to take advantage of between the two. Provided that the two of them go into battle with the understanding of their, you know, in this together, you know, not Sonic running into a scene and Whisper's already there or Whisper joining something that Sonic's already involved in. If they're going in together, the communication is there is none. They fully trust each other to do what they do best. And boy, howdy, do they do it? You have Sonic running straight into the thick of things, you know, causing a panic destabilizing front lines, smashing things up willy nilly and whisper is on the back line, picking off the targets that are distracted by Sonic. You know, Sonic doesn't see this one robot coming in. Boom. She takes it out before he even realizes he's been flanked. Everything is focusing on Sonic pop, 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 pop. They didn't even know that she was on the hillside. (laughs) They would be terrifying together. I'm ready for it. I am ready. Make it happen again. All right, here's a question from Stephen A. Out of sheer curiosity, a question to you both. Who are some of your favorite artists in Western comics outside of the wonderful talents you've collaborated with slash are friends with who are obviously in there because they're all awesome? And out of those artists, what IPs do you think would be best suited to collaborate with them on outside of Sonic? This is not me pitching slash secretly requesting an Ian Flynn and Joe Madura uh, Marvel versus Capcom comic. No, sir, not at all. Why would you even think that? <laughs> Funny you say that. Uh yeah, I would love to work with Joe Mad. <laughs> um he was a big reason I read X-Men at all. Yeah. Because oh my god, dude. Uh and crazy the Battle Chasers is back, you know? <laughs> Just wild to think about. Um and as you already covered, there are so many people I've already worked with that I would love to work with more i have kind of a side sheet of here's the i here's the original idea i want to do and here's who i've already worked with and i want to do this with <sighs> but time and funding and whatnot so uh jeff smith was a major influence on me both writing and art um the amount of storytelling he can do with just a few simple lines is amazing the the weight and the vitality he puts into these characters is just stunning like i'm I'm referring mostly to bone Bone, that's what i'm most familiar with and i i kind of don't want to ever go through the colorized version of it because the artistry of the pure black and white inks the use of that minimalism is just breathtaking. The uh, volume three, when they're running through the forest in the storm and the lightning flashes and you see the hairy men on the field in just that flash color. 
I don't know, almost feels like it would bring it down. It's such a stark and terrifying moment that's done. So mm, mm-hmm. we'd be here all day. Uh, just, just Smith, amazing individual. Seems like a super cool dude. I'd be incredibly intimidated to work with him because he's just that awesome. But he would also probably be super cool about it. So I feel like an idiot. Anyway, uh, we touched on Joe Mad. Uh, I think I'm saying this is right. Pepe Larraz. Uh He's done a bunch of stuff. The most recent stuff I saw him do was the X of Swords event material in the X-Men books. Yeah. Freaking adore his staging, his line work, his anatomy. He can make these, you know, people look perfectly at place next to all these weird aliens and monsters. He makes these crazy dreamscapes feel tangible and grounded uh, and again, kind of like Jeff Smith, there's this life, this bounce, this energy that just is effort seems so effortlessly in his line work. That is like, what demon must I conjure? What part of my body do I sacrifice to it to have a tenth of that skill? Don't tell me to practice. That's a fool's game. <laughs> just, mm, like, I, I have no idea what I would work on with him. I don't care. You know, whatever he turns out, it will be gorgeous. I just want on that train. <laughs> nice. Uh, I really love the Udon Street Fighter artists. Like, all of them. are They're, they're mm-hmm. all very good. Uh, but I think my favorite is going to be Omar Dogen. There's, it just does, like, just some really nice stuff, you know? <laughs> um, uh, Chris Samney's work is outstanding um i really liked his and uh mark wade's take on uh black widow especially i was like i really like if i had to choose a comic artist i'd want to do my stuff i think chris omni would be (laughs) one i'd go with um same with stacy lee honestly and uh who did silk silk is they're lovely books look really nice i like them a lot and uh, I got to give a shout out to Aunt Lucia, who did the uh, DC Bombshells designs. It's uh, outstanding pinup designs of the, from uh, from Aunt there. I, I like those a lot. And uh, the stories are fun, too. So, yeah, that's just a few of the ones I could uh, come up with. There's many more, of course. But Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a question from Superior Pizza. During a peaceful superior pizza evening with nothing to do with a friend by my side, I was browsing the internet and came upon an article talking about 12 better girlfriends for Mario. Most choices made sense, but it was until I came across the last one, which was none other than Sonic himself. Finding this hilarious, I showed my friends. They apparently saw this as a possible thing. My mistake was asking them why. His reasoning was that Mario was sugar daddy material, and Sonic seemed like the kind of person that secretly has daddy issues. This friend is no longer allowed at my house for saying such blasphemous yet true things. So, what's your thought on the relationship, Ian and Kyle? (laughs) Credit where it's due. I thought we had seen and heard everything, and nope. This one... This one took me by surprise. <laughs> really? I'm surprised you're surprised. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, Mario, Mario would be a, sh- a sugar daddy. He has a lot of coins. A lot of coins. 
the the amount of one's wealth does not denote their status as sugar daddy though it's the usage of said wealth i yeah for specific purposes yes and mario doesn't strike me as the type of individual to do that yes he has coin he probably is richer than, than the entire mushroom kingdom but I see him as being altruistic with it. Money is not something that he acquires for the sake of having money. It's just something along the way. He'll take care I of you. I don't see him. <laughs> I don't. Not in that way. <laughs> in multiple ways. When Mario takes care of your plumbing, I mean it in the most literal sense, Kyle. <laughs> You're the one who said it, not me. You brought it up. And Sonic is far too easygoing and carefree to have daddy issues. No, <laughs> sir. He so past that haunts him. He moves on forever and always. No, no. no. Shadow's the one with daddy issues. <laughs> and about many other issues. Look, if you legit captain this ship, bon voyage. Go for I it. I wish you happy sailing. <laughs> I am on board. There's plenty of there's plenty of fan art out there for you. <laughs> plenty of it. And there are I know right now there are people listening going Ian for pity's sake, don't take this so seriously. And I contend that there is at least one person out there who is legit on this ship <laughs> and will be nettled to be told no only so, you know one what? person there's more than one person I, i'm going to be universal in this fair is fair whatever floats your boat i ain't gonna knock it i don't have to endorse it i don't have to agree with it but whatever <laughs> you want fine by me <laughs> sail that ship go with it have fun <laughs> here's one from tempo I just thought about this, and I have to know. Are the Sonic X Archie comics canon to the anime and vice versa? The anime doesn't acknowledge the comics for obvious reasons, but the comic itself hinges on a number of plot details and the assumption that they already happened in the anime. It's soft canonical. Um, I don't think we were ever acknowledged as in canon by anyone official, but we did have to adhere to very rigorous guidelines and I did make an effort to make it feel like a continuation or could potentially fit in with the show, even though it had a much more goofier tone. So if you want to consider it as canon, there shouldn't be anything too contradictory in there. Uh, and if not, then it's perfectly fine as like Sonic X adjacent. Well, all right. Here is a question. From the Phantomist. I've asked before how Omega would react to the Scrapniks, but how would Knuckles fare? How would he feel knowing the bot who used the Master Emerald was still around and with Mega Knuckles as well? Uh, not good at first. I think you would need someone there to talk him down. Someone with a pulse, I should specify. Um, I don't think Sigma would be able to get through to him. He would think it's some kind of Eggman trick and would go you know, smashy, smashy. And even with it explained, I don't think he would be fully on board, fully trustworthy. 
uh, when you have the inevitable moment where one of the Scrapniks saves his life from certain doom, you know, he might come around to the, eh, they're all right. But I still don't trust him. Yeah. You know, he, he would keep them at arm's length. All right. Here's one from TickTick. With games and projects being made all over the timeline, particularly more characters and lore being added in the classic era, I have to wonder what kind of work is being done to deal with retcons from classic to modern. I figure, for instance, the lore team has probably figured out why Sonic and Company never used nor references the Chaos Emerald powers again since Superstars. This seems particularly interesting to me since Sonic seems surprised at Shadow being able to use Chaos Control, despite he himself getting superpowers from each of the seven Chaos Emeralds and Superstars. I'm sure the lore team has figured out an explanation and will be ready to disseminate it in a tales tube or something down the line, but is there going to be an effort in the future to perhaps explain these sorts of plot elements in the games themselves? For instance, I could see the game explaining why the powers only show up in the game and are never used again, but I'm really hoping this is explained rather than left as a bit of trivia to be released later down the line. Is this really just an excuse to get more info on superstars? It seems like it. <laughs> uh, well, too bad, because I ain't going to spill the beans on it. Although, I will say that <laughs> that there has been discussions and considerations, yes. Um, and going that was one of the major talking points we all had when it was decided to nail down the classic is the past, is that, okay, with more classic stuff, that's going to be extending the sliding time scale here and we have to be <laughs> mindful of stuff that certain stuff can't bleed over some of it can't necessarily be helped mm-hmm. like you can't account for sonic seeing shadow for the first time and saying oh it's not as speedy using the chaos emerald to warp which, which totally reminds me of that time we did that one thing on the north star islands amongst all our other f- amazing crazy adventures you tell me you wouldn't write it's, that reference you would totally wish you worn that reference in there i would if want it could. to be a little more elegant than that come on would you though would you <laughs> i would i would try okay <laughs> like would it matter Okay, you know what? I feel like I'm digging myself a hole here. Point is, <laughs> it is a consideration. And there's a there's one thing in particular, actually two things in particular, from Superstars I'm thinking of that you guys don't even know about. And we discussed it. And it's like, is this okay to do here? And it's like, well, it doesn't necessarily contradict anything. And it could set things up in a certain way. So, yeah, we'll let that go. And now... You know, with that established, we'll have to be mindful of it going forward. You'll see. <laughs> Hashtag knowing smile, maybe. But uh, Zuka-san actually touched on this in a recent interview uh, where they were asking about, you know, a potentially playable classic Shadow. And he's like, well, no, you can't do that because at this point, Shadow is still sealed away in the capsule. It's before SA2. So we can't have a classic shadow. He's like canonically sealed away. You're really getting into this Mega Man versus Mega Man X sort of thing where there's no (laughs) there's no good way to delineate between the two. So don't even bother. (laughs) There is no transition. It never happened. Just ignore it. (laughs) I was thinking about this the other day, and I think like the only modern characters that could potentially be classic would be like Rouge. Maybe. 
because her first introduction to the series was SA2, sure, but nobody seemed to be meeting her for the first time. Like, we don't even see her stealing the emerald from Angel Island. We catch up after Knuckles has tracked her down. Yeah, yeah. And there's plenty of plausible deniability in the intervening scenes. You know, things are already established. You don't have time to go, oh, wait, is that Rouge from before? It wouldn't be a scene for it. So, well, no, I think you could make an argument for a classic Rouge. <laughs> now they introduced Rouge. She's always been here. You haven't noticed? <laughs> she's a spy. Of course, she's not going to be hanging around in the open. Yeah. It's kind of like Big the Cat, I guess. He's like... Yeah, did, did they really introduce him? Not really. Just he could be classic. Nah, he he has he has signature meetings with Sonic and Tails in Adventure. Does he? Okay. Yeah. Um, like the Babylon Rogues. Obviously, they only encounter for the first World Grand Prix. Deadly mm-hmm. Six can't happen yet. Omega hasn't been built yet. Shoot, Gamma hasn't been built yet. Um, most everything modern is pretty much tied to its incarnation, like Cream arguably shows up in adventure one if not advanced two so the only one i can really think of that would be fairly in the clear would be rouge which is kind of funny Mm, yeah yeah (laughs) that is pretty funny Hmm. all right here's a question from twilord sega decided to follow modern trends and soften shadow by giving him a kid to look after specifically a gun assignment to oversee a death spawn who only eats veggies how do you write this character arc <laughs> the whole arc, Ian. Right now, pitch me the whole thing. <laughs> much like Shadow, much like Shadow, reluctantly. <laughs> like it is the scrappy do to Team Dark. Oh no! Don't do that. It's like slurping around behind him, and he's like, it's getting underfoot. And every now and again, he just finally loses his temper and looks down and says, "Harold, go home." <laughs> Skitters back to the gun bases. Sadly, chewing on a stalk of celery. Mm. Shadow eventually comes in and has to sit down next to him and go, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at the situation. I just don't <laughs> want you getting underfoot because they shoot flames and you're very flammable. Mm-hmm. I love you too, son. I mean, was anybody listening? Okay, fine. Mm. <laughs> All right. Here's a question from Ursi Bear. Something might be faster than the speed of sound. He might be able to outrun a speeding orca, but can he outrun his feelings? In this exciting episode of Starline's Isekai Adventures, how does the Doctor handle being the romantic interest of the fastest thing alive? We've covered this before. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, we have. We, we, we have talked about so many. Uh, well, this wasn't even an Isekai Adventures. This was just like a theoretical: if Sonic and Starline had to be in a romantic relationship. Oh no 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 no! That that's different. This oh. is this is pure Starline entering a world in which Sonic is affectionate for him. That's different. Oh okay, okay. Because it's Starline as we know him, and he is just repulsed. Like no, absolutely not. The only respect he had for Sonic was that he was a worthy challenger to Eggman, but touchy feely. Mm-hmm. sharing the same personal space no 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 <laughs> and that is why he kept that symbiote in his pocket aha come here sonic whisper sweet nothings in my ear and now your ear will be nothing <laughs> delicious brain sonic brain mm. Mm. not very filling <laughs> <laughs> 
weird because he's got a giant head, but nope. <laughs> not much in there. <laughs> was not very satisfying, Starline. Very crunchy, but all full of air. Like a cheesy poof. <laughs> Uh, Sonic doesn't have a brain. It explains a lot, honestly. <laughs> I'm glad Starline. <laughs> I truly am glad Starline does have an isekai friend, and that it's ve- <laughs> that it's Venom. I like that it's Venom. You know, as long as it's Venom, it's okay. This is movie Venom specifically. Shouldn't be comic Venom. Exactly. If it were comic Venom, it would be a nightmare. But <laughs> since it's movie Venom, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right and our last question is from zetamax i just realized that silver is the only one out of the hedgehog trio that doesn't have a metal or android double how would you write a metal silver if you had the chance to make one for the comics would he also be from the future like some kind of small furry terminator <laughs> <laughs> oh no he melts into a puddle of goo but basically it would just be <laughs> If he did that, it would just be like silver as a uh, infected by the metal virus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could go the neo metal route, liquid silver. Mm. Call it mercury. Mm, yeah. And if we're doing time travel tropes, going the T one thousand route does seem fitting. Yeah. Or since he already was modeled after Trunks, pull a cell. It was some kind of long lost Eggman tech that needs machinery that only exists in the present to become powerful enough to fight silver. So it's running around like eating metal Sonic and delicious. Oh no. Devouring the scrap Nicks. Yeah. <laughs> no, maybe it needs a component out of surge, mm. but uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, let, let's step back on this one. Okay. So, the whole thing with Sonic and Metal Sonic is Metal Sonic is the antithesis. He is all the speed and the power, but without the life. There's no joy. There's no excitement. There's no vivaciousness. It is just cold, mechanical reproduction. Sonic is the living embodiment of freedom and vitality. And Metal Sonic is the antithesis. He is the scalpel that cuts off that life shadow is a manufactured being but he has drive he has a temper he has feelings and a past and a whole bunch of baggage (laughs) he is a lot of life tangled up in a manufactured form he he is a unique individual created from the myriad of experiences and inputs that makes him who he is The shadow androids are mass produced stock copies. They are hollow shells. They are shadow in visual and name only. They may be extremely powerful, but they carry nothing about who shadow is. Mm -hmm. They are pale reflections. They are what he could have been without the life and the love and the pain that he went through. So silver all of his immense power aside is noble and self-sacrificing and genuinely wants to bring about a better world for everyone else. Uh, He's a bit naive because he believes in good. He believes in something better in everyone and for everyone. Uh, 
So maybe knockoff cell is the direction to go. <laughs> Some a robot that is built purely to consume for itself, to destroy the world and the environment and the people and the relationships that it encounters just for the own selfish goal of gaining more power. Silver uses all of his incredible abilities for everyone else, puts himself on the front line to protect the past and save the future where knockoff cell will cross space and time just to satiate its insatiable hunger for more power and destruction. Maybe, maybe that's just me spitballing. <laughs> well, on that note, I guess it's time to end on the terrifying note of having an evil robot silver <laughs> duplicate. It's frightening. <laughs> I mean, we have two characters eat Sonic's head. I mean, why not? Delicious. It's a multiverse. Delicious. There's, there's many Sonics out there. It's okay. He's got extra lives. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, let's wrap it up there. We'll see you next time. But until then, be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. And we will catch you next time on the Bumblecast. See you in the next episode. Whenever that'll be, I don't know. Subscribe and find out. Silver's absolutely horrified by this powered up foe cell <laughs> how many people have you consumed enough <laughs> consume that's a very uh, frightening word when you say it like that <laughs> <laughs> if, if something's trying to tell you consume you should probably get away from that thing also submitted my uh, paperwork for my Canadian passport uh, yeah. a few weeks ago. Uh-huh. Got the big envelope back in the mail, and inside was saying, you made a single typo on uh, the credit card. So here's all the forms back. Start over. Oy. So I go, you know what? We're going to el eliminate human error, which is me. I'm going to Service Canada. I will talk to a human being. I will beep my card myself. And the very nice man behind the desk is looking over the paperwork and he kind of pauses. Uh oh. Looks at me, looks down, says, Your driver's license says you're male. Yeah. Your citizenship certificate says you're male. But your paperwork you've marked, you're both female and neither. Oh. I'm like, No, I, me I meant to mark the male part in the middle. And can we fix that? And he's like, Yep, just scribble these up, initial. Like I, I don't think I can identify as anything else. And he just made this very non-committal, non-judgmental shrug. It's like, good on you, sir. Up to you. Good on you for not assuming mm. and being very patient with this ignoramus. So it's been a day. <laughs> the three genders, male, female, bumble king. <laughs> You've been listening to The Bumblecast, a co-production of Bumble King Comics and the KNGI Network. Original theme music composed by Ken Coda Snyder. Remixed intro by T-Lopes. Find out more information, along with podcast feeder links, MP3 downloads, and more at bumbleking.com and kngi.org.
you've seen the ceiling. There's a duct right next to the one electrical axis in the ceiling. So you have a very finite space to put spinning blades. It's eight eight years ago. So I'm trying to remember. I I think I get it. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't look at the ceiling too hard. (laughs) (laughs) Finding a sub 30 inch fan. Yeah. That doesn't look like a piece of modern art gone wrong. Yeah. Is nigh impossible. Really? Like I, the one I got was at Costco and it was on sale and it's like, Oh wait, let me take measurements. Oh, this is perfect. They must you know, be doing this because it's within range of multiple condos. Well, ours died. Let's go back to Costco and see what they have. Everything is a minimum 48 inch, if not larger. Yeah, I'm being told by Dove that 44 inches is among the smallest. Yeah. So, for the record, ours is 26. 20? So. Wait wait a minute. Holy... what? <laughs> is this a retrofitted, like, desk fan? <laughs> no, this is a normal-ass ceiling fan. It's got you know, a nice kind of stainless steel center. It's got nice faux dark wood blades it's a nice regular ceiling mm-hmm. fan yeah did you pull it's it it's perfect did you pull it down oh yeah the electrician took it all apart and looked at it and says yep everything else is fine it's just the clicking noise is something within the motor itself does it so. have a, does it have a light or no yes okay hmm all right could you get a uh, fan the base and then swap out the uh, blades. The blades are fine. I know, but it's to, the motor itself. But to, but to get a new fan. Take the blades from the old fan and put them on the new fan. Uh probably not because every fan has a different blade width at its base. Well, and I'm pretty sure these are hardwired into it. I don't know. I'd have to get up and you know <laughs> climb and look, and I ain't doing that. Okay. Uh, other options are possibly getting one that hangs lower so it doesn't hit the duct, or is that possible? That would have to come down a solid four feet. Oh. (laughs) And would be sitting about two to three feet above my head. And that would make me a trifle nervous. Okay. Uh, hmm. Dove just linked one that's a 24-inch fan. But it's Home Depot US. Uh-huh. So guessing that Canada does not have the tiny fans. <laughs> I've searched Home Depot, I've and searched Lowe's, I've searched Canadian Tire, I have searched Google. I found a couple of options I'll go over with Lee later, but it's just like, why is this so bloody hard? And there's so many condos around here. Yeah. You know? I know. Why? Unless because of the size of our unit, we just have a particularly small accessible space. Maybe that might be it too. Maybe they like they shove the ventilation through your condo. Go figure. Mm, <laughs> rude. Like the the washing machine mm-hmm. died recently, and the technician came out, and you know it's literally just a closet in the kitchen, right? Just wide enough to fit the machines in. He's like, yeah, I do a lot of units in this building. The design is terrible. At least you're not the unit where you have to take the door off the hinge to get them out. I'm like, oh, God. Mm. Oof. 